Welcome to the Porn Reboot Podcast, where you get practical tips to gaining control over your porn or sex addiction. I'm your host, J.K. Amazi, Certified Sex and Porn Addiction Recovery Coach. Welcome to the episode. Today we're going to be speaking about how to take control of your thoughts and your emotions during your reboots. Now, we all know that our thoughts and our emotions are all over the place during our reboots, especially early in our reboots. Now, growing up, it's possible that we learned to categorize feelings into two categories, safe and unsafe feelings. So for instance, we may have learned that guilt, anger, stress, frustration, and loneliness were not good emotions. They were unsafe And maybe you conditioned yourself to believe that these emotions had the power to take control of you or perhaps even ruin the things that you love. Maybe you even conditioned yourself to believe that these emotions could actually have a permanent impact on your life. And maybe you felt that you were perhaps unpredictable once these emotions took a hold of you. So you quite naturally decided that these were bad feelings and that you probably shouldn't feel them. You may have decided in your quest to stop experiencing those feelings that were unsafe, you may have noticed that you started to try different things like drugs, alcohol, food, sex, pornography. And before you know it, you find that you've become addicted to whatever you've been trying. The truth is before pornography was a problem, It truly was a solution. And what I mean by that, brothers, is that porn was your way of trying to fix the emotions which you had labeled as bad. Unfortunately, it was only temporary. One of the goals of the Porn Reboot system is to help you accept your feelings. And the key word is accept, not change. To do that, you first have to understand how you currently relate to emotions. So let's first talk about some of your false beliefs about emotion. Here are some of the beliefs that I've noticed that many of my clients have about their emotions. One of them is, you know, if others knew how I felt, they would use it against me. Or if other people know how I feel, they will think I'm weak as a man. Or If I become very sad, if I allow myself to feel sadness, I may become depressed. I might become suicidal. If I have like a really great thing in my life that makes me happy, like a really awesome person in my life, it's going to be so hard to lose that person. So I better get rid of that person now. I have no control over my mood swings. Sometimes we we have beliefs that say that, you know what, if I get very emotional, then I'm immature. Like getting very emotional is a trait of immature people. Or maybe you have the impression that you are a strong person and you're like, you know what, I'm strong and strong people have no fear. So I don't experience fear. Or, you know what, if I let myself feel negative and down, that means that I'm going to fall apart, right? I'm going to have a pity party. I'm going to be a complete mess. 
or one of the most common ones, which is, you know, I'm stupid for feeling emotional. Like, this is stupid. I'm so stupid. I'm being an emotional little bitch, right? Let's take a moment, brothers, and break down these beliefs. Let's talk about a, let's pick one false belief. So let's pick the one of having a fantastic person in your life, believing that, man, it would be it would be so hard to lose this person. Maybe you've got an awesome woman in your life and you're like, man, she's so great. She's so beautiful. She's such a good person. So I'm going to sabotage this relationship because I know that if I get deeply committed to her and she leaves me, I, I can't handle it. I don't believe I can handle it. See, sometimes brothers, we are afraid of our ability to handle the loss of something or someone good in our life. We've developed an attachment to something which brings us happiness. It may be a relationship with an amazing new person or some sort of experience that kind of rejuvenates us and makes us feel better about ourselves. And we tell ourselves the story that losing it, losing this person, losing this experience will be too hard on us. And this fear leads to unhappiness. It causes us to isolate ourselves from those who could care about us, right? So here's the reality about this, or rather the reality of this. No matter how intimidating or overwhelming the potential feeling of loss might seem, the truth is that you can accept it. See, when you deny yourself the good things that could come from a relationship with a great person, you deny the fact that loss is an integral part of life. That's what you're denying. Loss will continue to be a part of life. You cannot run away from it, as is the happiness that you feel when you have that relationship. That's the world we live in. The truth is that they are there in equal parts. Hiding or avoiding pain, loss, and struggle only increases it in the long run. So you're going to face loss anyway. Why would you throw away your happiness? So let's talk about how your thoughts work. Now, if you've lived for any length of time with the false beliefs about emotions, which we talked about earlier, you most likely feel that emotions are somewhat unpredictable, out of your control. Well, every single emotion which you generate is actually predictable. And it has a direct connection to your thoughts, right? <laughs> so this is what happens in the emotion thought process. Now, this isn't attributed to me. I'm going to tell you where you can learn more about this once I've listed it out. But in the emotion thought process, a few things happen. Firstly, there's a situation that you experience. Next, you have a thought as a result of that situation. That thought results in an emotion. It stirs up an emotion. And then that emotion now triggers more thoughts, which in turn trigger stronger and stronger emotions. And then your behavior follows these thoughts and emotions. And then you begin to act in ways that bring about similar situations. And then what happens after that? Well, then you begin to reinforce your negative thoughts and the cycle repeats itself. Now, this system was first broken down by the founder of Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and he's a psychiatrist by the name of Aaron Beck. And 
Cognitive behavioral therapy, which some of you may have heard about, or you may have gone through that modality, has helped thousands of people deal with a variety of addictions. And the key, brothers, to the emotion thought process is catching what happens between the thought and the emotion. Well, what happens? So there's a series of thoughts that take place in quick succession, right before that emotion happens, right? So let's take an example of a very common situation, which most of us can relate to, all right? Let's pick a guy called John, all right? So John's on his way to work. He pops into a coffee shop close to his apartment to grab a cup of coffee, right? And he plans to make his order as usual and browse through social media on his phone as he waits for his order to be prepared. And all is going well till John notices a highly attractive woman who is sitting at one of the tables drinking coffee and working on a laptop. And man, she's very attractive. John feels this sudden urge to get to know her, but he begins to feel nervous. And then a few seconds later, he begins to experience a lot of fear. So here it is, an emotion. Now, if John was mindful, he could perhaps accept and observe the emotion that he's experiencing. But let's just assume for the sake of this that he isn't. So in response to this emotion of nervousness, John's mind takes over and tries to help. And it explains that, you know, it lets him know why he's feeling fear. But it does so in a rapid series of thoughts. It's going to tell him things like, you know what? She's probably busy working. You don't want to bother her, okay? She's too pretty and you're not that good looking anyway. She might reject you. Oh, and if she rejects you, others in the coffee shop will notice and think you're a creep. Why am I always afraid to approach women? What is wrong with me? I've always been a loser who's afraid of talking to women. Ugh, man, just can never talk to women. By now, John has concluded that he is feeling fearful and will feel fear for a long time to come. So, brothers, some of you are familiar with this. The feelings have generated different meanings in his mind. And now, as a result, John is likely to do things, or rather more likely to do things, that might cause his belief to become more of a reality. How many of you have been in that situation? Think back. I'm sure as you're listening to this, There are some situations that you can remember where you could have taken a specific action, but you hesitated, and then a series of thoughts were created. And in the rare cases where you did take action, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. When the mind provides these series of thoughts for John, it's really doing all it can to help him. It's really trying to help you out. See, the mind solves problems, and it always seeks a logical solution. But the only problem with this is that John has always looked at himself as the problem and told himself the same stories hundreds or even thousands of times, right? So when you tell yourself the same story hundreds of thousands of times as you experience emotions, what's happening is that you are using the same neural pathways over and over and over again till you end up creating a well-worn path in your brain, right? And that's the path that your brain is used to using to solve the problem, right? 
Well, one paths lead to the same conclusions every time. The mind doesn't have an alternative. It doesn't have any creative ways of thinking. And many of us over time have developed certain beliefs that guide our response to different situations. I call these prime beliefs, P-R-I-M-E. People with prime beliefs generally have a sense of well-being and feel that the world is overall a good place and people mean well. And this is what we could refer to as a positive prime belief. And positive prime beliefs usually come with a whole bunch of positive thoughts to back them up. So a person with a positive prime belief in a situation like John's might have thought along the lines of, you know, I wonder what she's like. Now, she, she's probably busy, but I'm interrupting her to compliment her. And I'm not bad looking and I have a great smile. So I see no reason why she shouldn't respond well. Unfortunately, just as many of us have developed positive prime beliefs, even more of us have negative prime beliefs. And these negative prime beliefs always come with a whole bunch of negative thoughts to reinforce them. So when we have things like quote unquote mood swings, it's very possible that one of our negative prime beliefs has been triggered. Pay attention to that. And negative prime beliefs, as you probably noticed in the case of John, are usually unrealistic. They're not based in reality, right? So how do we start identifying our thinking better? In one of the earlier episodes, I spoke about mindfulness. And an important part of mindfulness is the ability to identify thoughts as they arise. So to help you out, one of the things I've done is I've categorized your thinking into five common types of thinking, right? Let's talk about them. This will help you identify your thinking better. The first is false responsibility. Now, brother, if you often find yourself responsible for any negative event that takes place, even when it's evident that it had nothing to do with you, you might be a victim of false responsibility. See, false responsibility usually occurs when you have a desire to stay in control of your situation. The consequences of false responsibility, however, are that it is exhausting to maintain. And in the long term, it can lead to depression. So I want you to take a minute as you listen to this to think about some areas in your life where you engage in false responsibility, right? Next is positive rejection. And this is a thinking pattern which is characterized by constantly diminishing or outright rejecting any positive experience that you have. And usually this is happening because you are severely attached to a negative experience. So allowing a positive experience into your life would be like making room for it by letting a negative experience go, right? So if you get complimented on, let's say, you know, a new shirt you're wearing, you immediately think, man, this shirt actually sucks, right? And you've, you've noticed, you probably noticed that in other people when you give somebody a compliment and they immediately reject it. And you're like, I don't even know what's wrong with this person, right? So I think that's one of the most common examples with compliments. Again, I'd like you to take a moment and think of some parts of your life where you engage in positive rejection. The next is negative cloud, okay? And these are just names I'm giving it, guys. <laughs> but I'm sure you can relate to them. 
Now, in this specific thinking pattern, this is where you have a tendency to bring this cloud of negativity over every single event, right? So let's say maybe I'll use myself as an example. I once used to live with roommates, right? And I noticed this in myself. My roommate in college, when he wouldn't pay his rent on time, the first thing I would think is, you know what? Just you can't trust anybody. Nobody sticks to their commitments, especially when it comes to money. So why should I bother believing in people's promises anyway? And I had this really negative belief around people paying their dues, like paying rent or paying back debts, right? And so with this type of thinking, it becomes very easy to cover yourself up with negativity instead of finding a positive way to reframe the situation. Because in this case, the truth was that my roommate wasn't paying his rent on time because he was broke or because he was spending his money irresponsibly. He was actually just a kid whose parents were supposed to send him money every month at a specific time to pay his rent. And they were always late sending him the money. They were supporting him through college. But I just it just became this negative thing for me because I had to speak to our landlord and kind of hold the landlord off for a couple of days while waiting for the money to come through, right? So another one is called worst case scenario. And this is where you always beat a situation which is happening to the punch. This involves you coming to a negative conclusion before you've heard all the facts. And I'm sure you know somebody like that. But before you think of someone else, because it's easier to think about someone else, take a look in the mirror first, all right? I'll give you an example. If you work at a career where you have a boss or you have a manager, you have somebody that's uh, superior to you, or let's say you're a business person, a business owner, or you are a manager yourself, and there's a key person at work that's responsible for something, or you're a consultant of some type, you work for yourself as an individual, and you have clients, and you have that one problem client that freaks you out, right? You get a missed call from that client, you get a missed call from your boss, you get a missed call from that indispensable person in your organization, what do you immediately assume? You immediately assume that shit has hit the fan. You're like, oh my God, I must have fucked up this project. Oh my God, what is it that this client wants? This client always wants something extra. Oh my God, Cheryl never calls. She can handle everything. And she left me three missed calls. Well, there goes my vacation with my family. I promised my wife I wouldn't work. Now shit has hit the fan back home or back at the office, right? So you guys know what I'm talking about. So what are some of the examples of worst case scenario thinking in your life? And how often do you feel that you engage in it? Brothers, the most important thing to remember is that it's neither your thoughts nor your emotions that are 100% responsible for your problems. It's actually just the way you react to them. Reaction is pre-programmed and we do it without much concern for where we receive the program from. And response, on the other hand, is mindful because you think about the situation before you take action. So brothers, this takes me back early to, I do believe it was elementary school. And uh, we had a teacher who would punish us by having us put out the palms of our hands 
and he would whoop us with a ruler, like cross the palm. And whenever he did that, he, he hated it when we flinched. So he would always tell us like anytime we moved our palms away, he would double the number of strokes of the ruler that he'd used to hit the palm of our hands. So he would always tell us, don't react, don't react, don't react. And of course, it was a spectacle for the entire class because, you know, kids can be mean. If you're the one getting punished, everyone's there laughing and going like, yeah, you know, you deserved it. But it became such a running joke in our classroom that we just started calling that particular teacher, don't react. <laughs> and I remember that it was just it's just one of those things from childhood that's hardwired. And it was so interesting when I learned about this concept, it became so much easier for me to remember not to react. I would literally tell myself, don't react, don't react, don't react. And it was always the, the next option I had was to respond, to be mindful, to actually take a moment to consider the situation before I took action. So brothers, at the end of the day, the key is to learn different ways to respond to your thoughts and your emotions. This is a very important part of the reboot process. All right? So brothers, I do appreciate every single one of you. And I just want to take this moment to tell you guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really do appreciate it. When I first started it, I, I really wasn't sure what the response was going to be, but it really has been overwhelming. And I'm glad that many of you have a place now where you can listen to somebody who's actually been in your shoes. And I want to let you guys know that I know how the, what the process is like. I know what the ups and downs are like. I know what the hopelessness is like. I know sometimes you listen to me and go like, well, my situation is a little bit different. You, you don't have to get on a call with me. You don't have to speak to me or, or anyone the Porn Reboot system. You can just listen to the podcast as long as it brings you hope. Don't be afraid to shoot me an email sometime if there's a specific topic that you would like me to cover. I'm here for each and every one of you, all right? But for those of you who are ready, there are a few ways that I can help you and your out of control behavior with porn, sex, and masturbation. And brothers, if you're still sitting there and you haven't downloaded my ebook, you gotta do it, right? Grab a copy of the free ebook, it is the roadmap to ending your behavior with porn and masturbation addiction. It's just a roadmap now, but it's a great overview. And there's a link to it in the description of the podcast. It's called Confessions of a Porn Addict, Seven Secrets of Porn Free Men. The second way is to join our free Facebook group. Go ahead and join men who are ending their out-of-control behavior, who are getting themselves accountability partners, who are communicating with me a lot more, and who are getting support, there's also a link to it in the description of the podcast. And finally, if you're ready to stop going at it alone and you want support, you want to work with me in a group setting, one-on-one, -on -one, get on live video calls with me, have your own accountability partner assigned to you, be in a serious community of winners. And when I say winners, these are men who want to end their behavior once and for all. They're not in it for life. They're like, JK, show me the way to end this so I can move on with my life. Well, if you're ready for that, then just schedule a call with one of my reboot strategists using the link in the description, and they'll get on a call with you and let you know if you're a good fit for our program. 
So brothers, again, I can't say it enough. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Porn Reboot Podcast. I'll speak to you later in the week.